0: Today on The Journey. God's power is best seen against the backdrop of our weaknesses. It is then when people can see and we can feel and experience. There is a divine assistance that is beyond
1: us. Pressed into a corner, wounded and weak is the last place you want to be. But it may be the first place where God can truly use you Ron Moore explains in just a moment. Plus, after the message, I'll let you know about Ron's devotional booklet titled Garments of Grace. In it, you'll discover eight items of spiritual clothing God wants every believer to wear. Garments of Grace is available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Grace of Weakness. On the journey.
0: In our series on the journey of grace, I want to speak directly to some of you who are going through a very difficult and challenging time in your life. Things like illness, the loss of a loved one, the emotional pain of a strained relationship, or the devastation of a broken relationship. A heavy heart due to an unfulfilled dream. The proverb says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Maybe it's a struggle in your life with a character flaw, a quick temper or an untamed tongue, or maybe it's a temptation that seems to hang over your head like a dark cloud. Maybe you're in the midst of the battle right now. And your situation is intense. Or maybe your situation is like a perennial plant. Sometimes it's in full bloom, and other times it's below the surface, but the seed is always there. You've asked God to take you out of this situation, to relieve the situation, but at least to this point, it doesn't seem like He's heard your prayer. This year we've been studying the doctrine of grace, and we're going to see today that the light of grace shines most brightly in your darkest day. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In verses one through six of chapter 12, Paul explains to us that God has given him a supernatural experience. Paul has had the vision of being taken into the very presence of God. He did not know if he was just taken there in his spirit or he didn't know if he was taken there literally in body and in spirit. But while they're in the presence of God, Paul heard some things, he says, that were inexpressible things. Things that men and women are not permitted to tell. Can you imagine being transported into the very presence of God? Now, this was a unique situation. Certainly none of the other apostles had that situation. But you can well imagine if you had an experience like that, that some temptations would result. For Paul, it was a temptation of boasting. It was the temptation to use that experience as leverage as he ministered and worked with other people. Who can argue with someone who's been in the very presence of God and continues to remind you about it. So we come to chapter 12, verse seven. And this is our primary passage we want to look at today. Paul's had this experience. And then he says this to keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. There was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And each time he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses And insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. We're going to discuss this thorn in the flesh in a moment, but first I want us to work our way through this passage. And as we look at verse 7, Paul says, this thing happened to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing great revelation, this thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me. The first question I want us to ask is, who is the one who gave Paul this thorn in the flesh? And the answer is God. God is the one who allowed it to happen. He is the agent. Now, the instrument he uses in this case is a messenger of Satan. But it's important for us to realize as we work our way through this passage that it is God who allows this messenger of Satan to inflict this thorn in Paul's flesh. Now, why would God allow that to happen? Well, in Paul's case... The answer is clear. Again, look at verse 7. To keep me from being conceited. I've just had this surpassingly great experience. But to keep me from being conceited, to keep me from thinking more highly of myself than I should, to keep me from using this as a spiritual club in my ministry. God sent this thorn in the flesh. Now, it's interesting in the original Paul uses this phrase to keep me from being conceited at the beginning of the verse, and then he uses it again at the end of the verse. Let's look at the New American Standard Bible. Here's what it says. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger for Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. The emphasis is on this was sent for a reason. Just as in the Old Testament book of Job, Here we see in the New Testament, in the life of Paul, God allowed Satan to inflict Paul with suffering, here described as a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. Paul never tells us, and the language doesn't give us any clue. From the early church fathers, there have been those who have given many suggestions and speculated, but Paul never tells us for sure. We only know this, whatever it was, Paul says, it tormented me. The word tormented there describes painful attacks. And these attacks allowed by God not only brought on physical discomfort, but certainly hindered Paul in his preaching of the gospel, his purpose in life. So Paul didn't want that to happen. On three separate occasions, he goes before God. He pleads with God to take this thorn in the flesh away. God heard his prayer each time, but each time the answer was no. There were other times when Paul prayed and the answer was yes. There were times when he was miraculously saved at sea during a shipwreck. There were other times when God opened doors for him, when God healed him physically. Many times the answer to his prayer was yes, but not this time. Regarding the thorn in the flesh, no, no, no. Paul says, God didn't take it away for two reasons. One, to keep me humbly dependent. And two, to demonstrate the sufficiency of His grace. Look at the first part of verse 9. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let me review something for just a second. In scripture, grace is used in two ways. One, as we've talked about, grace is God's free, sovereign favor to the undeserving. And when we think of that, we mainly think about salvation, that we are unworthy and God by his grace saves us. But that's not where grace stops. In scripture, we also see it used in another way, Grace is used as God's divine assistance through the Holy Spirit. God gives us grace, he assists us, he gives us strength, he gives us what we need through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in our life. In verse nine, Paul is hearing Christ say, my divine assistance to you through the Holy Spirit is all you need. My power is seen best against the backdrop of human weakness. Paul responds, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. The word means I'm content in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. In this passage of scripture, we see clearly the reason God allowed the thorn in the flesh to afflict Paul. We might not think it's fair, but we see the reason. In our lives, however, we don't always get a word of explanation. And by the way, that's the norm, not getting the explanation. We never understand why. And you know what? That's really what we have to live with. Chuck Swindoll, in one of his books called The Mystery of God's Will, hits this head on. Listen to what he says. It's time to say it. More often than not, we face life in a quandary, searching, disturbing questions, far outnumber absolute airtight answers. And even though we love the Lord and are committed to his plan, even though we obey his word and seek his will, if we're honest enough to admit it, there are days, no, there are even months, when we simply cannot figure out what God is up to. We don't know why things happen. We can't explain them. To our finite minds, they make no sense. Sometimes there is deliverance. Sometimes there's the thorn. But this we know. From this passage today, that God will never waste our time and He never wastes our pain. And what may seem arbitrary is always part of His sovereign plan. And in the midst of our questions, we can learn much about His grace. But today, let's focus on what I believe God is teaching us through Paul's experience. Four lessons. Here's the first one. Our weakness brings glory to God. We forget sometimes, but that's what our existence is about. Our existence is not about us. Our existence is not about getting the best education so we can have the best career to buy the biggest house, drive the nicest cars, send our kids to the greatest schools, have a nice nest egg set aside so we can retire to the Bahamas or wherever we want to retire to. That is not what our life is about. Our life is to glorify God. God's power, His work in our life is best seen against the backdrop of our weaknesses. It is then when God's grace is most evident. It is then when people can see and we can feel and experience. There is a divine assistance that is beyond us because we can't make this on our own. Remember in the Old Testament story of Daniel, he was thrown into the lion's den, remember that? And in Daniel chapter six, officials throw him in and the next morning, the king comes and he looks down in the pit to see if Daniel's God has rescued him. When he sees that Daniel is alive, here's what the king says. I issue a decree That every part of the kingdom must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Now let me ask you a question. What if Daniel had been thrown into the den with a belt of knives and spears and a lion gun, whatever that would be. And the next morning, when the king looked down, what would the expectation be? That the lions would be dead and Daniel would be there with his belt and his knives and his gun. But because Daniel was thrown into the lion's den in weakness with nothing to protect himself, the king looks down and says, You're God. He is the living God. He is the powerful God. He has rescued you from the lions. Are you allowing your present weakness to honor God? Are you responding in such a way that people can look at you and say, man, I don't know how you're doing it. You're living right there in the lion's den. This God you talk about serving, he must be living. He must be a powerful God. Flip over in 2 Corinthians to chapter 13, verse 4. We see this same example of weakness and power in the life of Christ. For to be sure, Paul says, he, Christ, was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. God's power was seen at the cross. In Christ's most weak moment, we saw the power of God. And likewise, we are weak in Him, yet by God's power, we live with Him to serve you. It is by God's power working through us, through our weakness, that brings glory to God. Here's a second lesson we learn. Our weaknesses cause trust and dependence on God. You see, when we are in a weak situation, when a relationship is crumbling before our very eyes, we have no place else to turn. Counselors don't work. We've tried that. Books don't work. We've tried that. Seminars. We've gone to every one of those. If we want to obey, we have one place to turn. Trust and dependence on God. And God will tell us when we turn to Him, My grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus says it like this in John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me as the source of your life, as the power of your life, you can do nothing. And our weaknesses cause us to constantly ask for grace and divine assistance. It's in the difficult times when we learn to pray. It's in the difficult times when we pour our heart out to the Lord. Our coming to the Lord day after day and moment after moment causes a dependence on Him that He has wanted all along. God doesn't give grace in bulk. You can't go buy a bunch of it at Sam's Warehouse. It's day day. Today, today, today. Elizabeth Elliot, in her book, Quiet Heart, writes this. Today is mine, tomorrow is none of my business. If I peer anxiously into the fog of the future, I will strain my spiritual eyes so that I will not be able to see clearly what is required of me now. That's pretty profound. If I am so worried about tomorrow, If I want all of God's strength for my tomorrows today, I'm not going to know what I'm supposed to do today. It's today's trust. It's today's dependence. And weakness causes us to realize our need for trust and dependence. Here's the third lesson we learn. Dependence forms us into the likeness of Christ. And again, that's what we're all about. That's what God's all about, forming us into the likeness of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And we, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed into His likeness, into likeness of Christ. And that means that... God's going to have to deal with certain areas of our life. I ran across this poem. It just speaks so specifically to this issue of being transformed. And you know that transformation is a difficult process. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, When God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects how he hammers him and hurts him, and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay, which only God understands, and with tortured heart is crying, and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks, when his good he undertakes, how God uses whom he chooses, and with every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. Here's a final lesson we learn. God's grace, his divine assistance to the Holy Spirit is always sufficient. Don't bail out. Don't stop. Don't think that you can't handle one more moment of whatever situation you're in. God promises you His grace is sufficient. He will never take you. His will will never take you or His grace cannot sustain you. Even in your darkest moment, even in your greatest temptation, His grace is sufficient. His grace is more than you need. We all have had experiences in our life where we have gone through dark times. And if you've done it God's way, then you know those are the times when you have felt like you are being carried by the eternal God. Some of you feel like bailing out. You feel like you can't take it any longer. You feel like that the struggle is just too much. I just want you to leave today with that truth. My grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. And in your weakness, God's power is going to be demonstrated. And you're going to get through by God's power. And others are going to see, like Daniel in the lion's den, they're going to walk away and say, that person serves the living God.
1: And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. When wanting to look your best in public, Do you care about the appearance of your clothing? And the same question could be asked of your spiritual apparel, especially of those garments God has provided by His grace. They comprise an eight-piece ensemble made of heaven's finest virtues. You'll find that collection in Ron's PDF booklet titled Garments of Grace. In Garments of Grace, Ron describes each piece and how it's to be worn for God's glory. But here's a warning. When you don this wardrobe, you will be conspicuous. In a world dressed in filthy clothing, torn and tattered by sin, your attire will shine like the stars. Garments of Grace is yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. Again, that web address is ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's join Ron for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: I want to ask you today to evaluate what you're standing on. He who thinks he stands, take heed. Be careful so that you don't fall. Is your footing firm? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Was there a time in your life when you realized that you were a sinner, absolutely nothing you could do to work your way to God, and you trusted in Jesus christ is your footing firm or maybe you're a believer you've trusted in christ question to you is are you growing as a believer are you developing as a follower of jesus christ are you in personal and corporate worship regularly is that a pattern and habit of your life do you read god's word do you hear from him Do you desire to be strengthened by Him? Is your life measured by His Word? Is your life managed by His Word?
1: Paul says, be careful so you don't fall. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And please remember to get your copy of Ron Moore's digital devotional, Garments of Grace. In its pages, you'll discover spiritual apparel for the well-dressed Christian. Garments of Grace is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the Real Conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit biblechapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is biblechapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.